there, and welcome to All Things Montessori, a podcast devoted to discussing aspects of the Montessori approach to child development. If you're a guide in the classroom, a parent of a Montessori child, or someone who is just trying to learn more about it, we cover it all. My name is Rachel Larson, and I'm a Montessori teacher and an administrator, and I'm joined by Jamie Rue, AMI trainer and Montessori consultant. everyone and welcome to another episode of all things Montessori we are so excited to keep doing this podcast and we have just been blown away by everybody who's been listening from those of you who have reached out to us personally thank you so much we love bringing this community together in any way that we possibly can I wanted to give a few quick announcements before we get into this awesome new episode Um, Jamie and I will both be at the AMI refresher course, um, and that's this weekend. It's it's like in four days, Um, but we will both be in Bellevue, Washington um, for the AMI refresher. We're so excited. Um, We will try to do a little bit of a live recording while we're there, um, and we'll be posting things on our Instagram while we're there. Um, So please try to find us if you're there. We'd love to say hi. In other news, we're also working on a website um, that's nearly done. Um, And this, you know, it's going to be another place that you can listen to the podcast, but it's also going to have a way easier way to get in touch with us. And we'll be able to post um, more things on there as we keep going. Um, So that's coming soon. And again, like if you have any questions or you just want to reach out, please send us an email. Our email is allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com. And then you can also follow us on Instagram at all things Montessori. That would be fabulous. Um, and we just, we are so appreciative to everybody who's been listening to this. And I'm so excited for this episode. Oh, it's all about something near and dear to both of our hearts, music. So enjoy. And we cannot wait to hear from you guys and hopefully see you at the refresher course. Hello, Jamie. How's it going? Hi, Rachel. Great. I'm excited about our topic today. Oh my gosh, me too, because it just so happens to be my favorite subject ever. Yes, I (laughs) knew that about you. I know. I was so excited when I just, you know, started to take the training. I didn't know that music, which is what we're going to talk about today, was such a big deal in Montessori. I had no clue. Um, and that was one of the best surprises, I think, you know, um, as being a musician, you know, entering a new graduate program and then seeing that we have to take, like make a music album. It's pretty great. (laughs) Well, it's essential. I mean, music's an essential part of the child's experience. It's an essential part of being human. I know. I know. I guess we talk about that in fundamental needs, how it's one of our spiritual needs, which is really true. I think. Right. I mean, I think I think they found the first musical instrument, you know, 30 to 40,000 years ago, you know, from 30 to 40,000 years ago, or maybe even more like that's just the artifact that we have as reference. But you have to imagine that humans have used 
rhythm and pattern and different pitches um, as long as as long as humans have lived. I know. I mean, I think forever uh, humans have just wanted to connect in some way. And I think a lot of that was storytelling and looking up at the stars and trying to, you know, wonder about the world. And then I like to imagine that it just sort of organically, you know, someone started, who knows, they discovered they could sing with their vocal cords or something, or they started like, maybe they were trying to make a fire and they started just, you know, tapping the sticks together instead or something like that. I like to think about that all in my head because um, I feel like it was almost like when humans discovered fire, right? Like they discovered music and then, you know, it just kind of went from there in a way. So, Right. It was a really profound, had a profound impact on human culture. Yeah. So you have a musical background as well. I mean, your whole family is very musical, I feel like. Um, so what was your experience you know, doing music in the elementary classroom. Can we, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, it was, it was part of my training to definitely do music daily or on a regular basis with children. So I, I, music was a part of the everyday life of my elementary classroom. No question. Mm -hmm. We, Mm -hmm. we sang every day or multiple times a day. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky. Um, my dad's a piano technician and has extra pianos lying around. So he gave me one for my classroom. So we had not only the Montessori music materials, but a piano for children to use um, as they wished. Uh, That's so and great. It was really fun. I mean, the children who were taking lessons would practice piano during the day, and we all just got used to having that sound in the background it was either the Mm -hmm. piano or it was the tone bars or it was the um cd player playing some different music history uh lessons that i had prepared for children so all of those you know the there was always um almost always music in my classroom Mm -hmm. i would imagine yours was pretty similar oh yeah always the music section was probably the most popular Um, and we also, I was lucky enough to have a piano too. Um, and it was, it was so great. It was so great to have that in the classroom. It just brings such, such life to the classroom. I think to have an instrument of that magnitude, an instrument that has been around for so long, hundreds of years. Um, and it's almost like a piece of history that you also have in your classroom, um, which is just, it's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can tell stories like the the first piano was invented in 1700. And prior to that, they didn't have the ability to control um, the, you know, how loud or soft the stringed instrument was in the same way. A harpsichord was plucked, but a piano is hit mm-hmm. and it has the dampers. And, you know, there's, so that's the, like, the fun thing about having instruments in your classroom is not only can the children experience that instrument and the sound that it makes, but it also can, they can experience the history. If you tell stories about it, they can uh, experience the um, science behind it. So 
as I said, my dad was a piano technician. He would come in my classroom and tune the piano during school hours because Mm -hmm. he could take the piano apart and talk with the children about the physics of sound as he, you know, why are the bass wires so thick and long and big and coiled so tightly compared to the, to the much higher pitched, um, piano wires and and the physics that's involved in making the sound like there's just so many things that we can do uh, when we explore music beyond beyond simply music oh yeah I mean music is everywhere it's related to everything Um, and I think you touch on a good point like the functionality of an instrument is fascinating I used to well when I was a kid growing up I, I mean Jamie you know but to everybody who doesn't know both my parents are professional musicians and they're both pianists so I grew up with a beautiful piano in my house and just being able to you know pop up the I don't know what the top of the piano is called I should know I want to say hood but that's not right but to open that and to look inside and to see all the hammers and the strings and then to you know press a key and see it functioning right there I mean that's pretty awesome. And I I got to do that in the classroom. I got to show the children because you don't think of a piano as a string instrument at all. And right. then you see how it's working and it's just, it's pretty fantastic. And I think another thing that's super important with music, and then I want to get back to more things that you did in the classroom, um, is just the appreciation of it. I think live music, classical music, jazz music, opera music, you name it. I think a lot of those are sort of lost arts in today's world, um, which makes me unbelievably sad. And if you have that um, type of music and that history and that appreciation of music in your classroom, children getting exposure to that at such an early age, that's something they will remember forever. Um, And children, in my experience, love classical music, love jazz music, love opera music. Like, they love it. (laughs) So it's not like they're listening to something they don't want to they're fascinated by Mozart and Beethoven Bach I mean like all of that is just it's mind-blowing to them right or Miles Davis or Mm -hmm. Billie Holiday Mm -hmm. I mean I think that we like we have to expose them to a wide variety of genres and a wild a wild wide variety (laughs) of um of time periods and and cultures and music and so you know it's important to have uh, listening activities available for children at home and at Mm -hmm. school where they can just spend time listening to music and and I mean listening like of course we can have music in the background um and we all do that at times, uh, but also there should be times and opportunities set aside for children to truly listen, not have music mm-hmm. just filling the background, but but really listening as well. Absolutely. Yes. And then being able to maybe write down a few thoughts or to, to talk to their friend that they're listening to it with or to really think about, well, what 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 meter is this in? Or what instrument do I hear? Or, you know, what genre of music is this? Or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Really, mm -hmm. really build that sort of thinking about music and that exploration. I mean, I think when you, when you build that critical thought around music, 
it, it helps children become better listeners to music and they start to listen for patterns and repetition or they start to listen for styles. I had a student mm-hmm. who we had done a study of Mozart and we were out on a going out not for music and but in the background at the at the store wherever we were a piece of music was playing and the student was like hey that's Mozart isn't it even though it wasn't a piece he had ever heard before um Mm, but he could recognize kind of the style and when we help them to be able to listen um they start to have that that kind of ability right Right. And I think it's it's like I said before, sort of a lost art because it's almost sacred, those amazing pieces of music and even, um, you know, really famous classic pieces, um, maybe from a musical or a play or even like um, like a Bob Dylan song or a Beatles song or, you know, anything like that, like that is truly unique and so technical and advanced um, to have that awareness to sit there and listen, you know, and pick it apart, you know, not critiquing it, but pick it apart in your brain. Um, And not to mention it helps with, you know, the pitch that you will develop, you know, in your singing voice. That's another thing. (laughs) It helps develop your ear. You know, so Um, I think we're both like saying like as much as possible, children should be exposed to a lot of music and have exposure to instruments. Now, like not everyone can have a piano in their classroom or their home, but, you know, you could have um, a ukulele. You can get pretty inexpensive ukuleles. Mm Mm-hmm. Mine was $40, I think, on Amazon yep. or something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the ukulele is useful because if you learn to play the ukulele, you can actually translate that to a guitar. The finger patterns are not dissimilar. Um, mm-hmm. So it does, it has some flexibility in learning and learning how to, how to hold your fingers on those different wires. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I had a piano my second year um, of teaching, but I didn't have it my first year. I had just a keyboard um, along with the tone bar, bars. And of course, I really wanted a piano, but I, I kind of took whatever I could get. And I had my own piano. I had a keyboard at home that I brought in. I mean, anything like that that you can bring into the classroom. Like I also had um, just some drums some like maracas. I had a triangle, which I had to again and again, tell the children, <laughs> remind them how to play the triangle <laughs> because <laughs> that's one that I found would be um, a little abused. Um, you can have symbols, even rhythm sticks, genius, because then that's something that is easy. It's going to help you, you know, teach rhythm but also that's something it's fun to all play instruments together too when you're sort of having a community time. Um, so there's lots of ways to incorporate instruments. You can make your own instruments. That's also something that's super fun and not that challenging. Right. Um, I mean, some beans and a mm-hmm. empty, an empty roll of uh, from a toilet paper. Roll, Perfect. Right. The tube. Like you can make instruments really easily. And I think it's important to emphasize you don't have to be a musician 
no. to help children experience music, have fun with music, even to teach them some music. You do not have to. I feel very grateful that I have musical background. It definitely helped me a lot. Um, but I have actually worked with a few of my friends who maybe didn't have a musical background um, on just some basic techniques on, um, you know, breathing when singing, how to sing from your diaphragm, things just like simple things like that. Um, and all it really is, is having confidence. The children don't care. They just want to all sing together. I mean, not every child in your class is going to have perfect pitch. Like if they do, like that there's something <laughs> there's like a miracle happening you know um they just want to have fun if you're having fun if you're if you have confidence in your singing voice or whatever you're doing musically just like anything in the classroom they're going to follow your lead right, right. um so yep <clears throat> so you have to have done. that confidence and have fun you're right totally. that's right yeah. Totally, because if you demonstrate any kind of timidness or anything like that which you might at first because it is it is scary. I mean, for me, I'm a musician, but like for me, giving math lessons starting off was terrifying to me because math doesn't come easy to me. It does now because I got Montessori trained and now I feel like I know math very well. But in the beginning, I was so scared all the time, but I just had to tell myself again and again, I'm, you know what? I have confidence. And also the six-year-old probably isn't going to, they're not going to know if I maybe missed a step and have to go back another time or if I look at my album they're not going to care same thing with music yes that's what I think that's so true like we I mean we don't have to be experts at everything we we connect the children to right like I I am not an expert in chemistry by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) but I can introduce the children to some basic chemistry concepts and the same is true for music you know we can introduce the children to basic concepts of rhythm just understanding different rhythm patterns or Mm -hmm. how rhythm works in um, in music we can introduce them to basic ideas of pitch or just singing uh, without having without having any expertise at all in music. Right. And something, too, to remember, I mean, I think exposing children to the basics, like you said, rhythm and pitch and, you know, some of the scales perhaps on the tone bars because those the scale strips we have are just, they're genius. But then, you know, when it gets to the later theory or things like that, like, you know, music is really complicated reach out to like a local musician. If you have any friends that are musicians, have them come into the classroom. I mean, that's a great experience for everybody. And you don't have to feel, you know, like you have to learn everything about it. Now, I think like you do want to be the one, of course, you're the guide. You want to be the one introducing these concepts. But Jamie, it's exactly like you said, you just, they just need an introduction sometimes. You don't need to just go take a music theory class and know every single thing there is to know about music to make them appreciate and get the music exposure they need. Well, and I, I think you're totally right. Like we, we really, what could be some of the best exposure experience is actual experience with instruments or their voice so that they have music and a sense of music and, and we can introduce them to some basic music theory, but when they want to go deeper into that understanding, they're going to be really well prepared because they've, 
been in a music rich environment. That sort of sensorial mm-hmm. exposure is critical. It is. And the, the energy and the, the good feelings that I would get every time that I sang with children. Oh my gosh. Because even me, I'm a singer and sometimes I didn't want to sing every day, but mm-hmm. I would be like, nope, I have to do it. It's going to be great. And it was great every time. <laughs> and they've done studies that show that people who sing together regularly or for long periods of time, their hearts start to actually beat in the same rhythm. It's a it's a powerful community building exercise, mm-hmm. uh, singing together and dancing together. I mean, all of those things are really important for for building your community. Absolutely. I remember one of my favorite musical experiences with the children was something I kind of did as an experiment. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I brought in my, I have a record player and I thought I'll just give them a brief little history on the record player and then we'll listen to some records. And I, I chose this one that I had loved when I was a kid, but I was like, this is a little weird. It's a Herbie Hancock record. It's like this weird, funky jazz song. They're probably not going to like it. I was like totally convinced um they it was it's one of my favorite days of teaching my whole time in the classroom with these particular children they would only want to listen to that song we had a class playlist that we'd play sometimes if we were cleaning the classroom and that song was on it (laughs) it's just anyway it's called watermelon man by herbie hancock and apparently six and seven year olds love it if you want to look it up It is really cool. There's lots of African instruments in it. So, um, But what I'm saying is, you know, the way children react to music is something that I really, it's pretty unique, I think. I think there's some sort of freedom with music and, you know, it, it, it gives everybody this warm communal feeling. Um, I just, I never think it's a bad idea to do something with music, you know. There's, so. um, I'm going to forget all the details of the study, but um, there's some there's some studies that have shown that um, like followed children from kindergarten through high school. And you know, basically all of the five year olds considered themselves musicians. And mm-hmm. over time, the bulk of them lost that sense of being mm-hmm. musicians. And so there's something that happens in our culture that causes people to feel that they, you know, they can't think of themselves as musicians. So I really think it's our work in Montessori to to see if we can fend off that feeling um, that that we could help ma- children maintain that sense of having a, a musical ability and a musical connection for longer than age five. Yeah, and I think that's actually the something that I found really unique about Montessori because growing up, um, I was just always doing singing or piano things, right? And um, music gets really competitive very quickly, and it also gets really exclusive really quickly. And I think that's the main point that you know we're kind of talking about is you know I loved how Montessori had music right there in the curriculum. It wasn't a specific. It wasn't another class. It wasn't a special. It was right there in the classroom. Um, and I remember thinking that was really interesting. And it, it went through all, you know, six years that you have them in elementary, um, which I don't 
I don't know. I, I can't speak to this because I really don't know, but I, I almost think it's like pretty unique to the Montessori method um, that you get all of that in the classroom. Because when you have music up there with science, you know, and geography and math and art and PE, when it's all done in the same place, it just becomes equal. And yeah. then I think it's not that music needs to feel equal. Music is challenging and it's its own thing. It's that the children need to think of it as something that everybody can do. Um, and I think a lot of the world doesn't treat it like that is my point. Yeah, it's a valid work choice during the work day. And interestingly enough, there are a few studies also that show that um, children who uh, get music instruction or have music classes of some sort actually score higher on standardized tests than children who do not. Wow. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good for your brain. We know that. Mm -hmm. It's good it for concentration. Good for your brain. Mm -hmm. It's really good for your brain. Um, and we have lots of things we can do in the, in the Montessori classroom, you know, right from birth through adolescence where they can have experience and practice and exposure to music. So I just so highly encourage people um, to make sure that this is a part of the daily life of the classroom, that it's not ignored, that it's celebrated, that it becomes part of your community, part of the way children um, function in the class, the way, you know, the way they're allowed to express themselves in class, you know, because, because it is a, it is an expression. And when children are first learning, you're going to hear on the whatever instrument, you're going to hear what sounds like, um, sounds like a baby babbling. It's right. just like, it's just like when a baby's learning to use their voice, the children who are learning to play the bells or the piano, they're going to babble. <laughs> you know, they're going to make mistakes. It's going to sometimes not be super pleasant to listen to, but it's an important part of the, of their learning. So we have to, um, we have to be sure we let that babbling occur when the children are using instruments. Oh, absolutely. And even if it's, it's really loud maybe, and it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. sound nice or maybe they're just yeah. doing the wrong thing over and over again. Um, right. It's or it's really... the, frozen th the frozen theme for the 40th time today. Right. Or That's okay. Oh, yeah. well, my, my version of the frozen theme was I taught them all how to play Furelise, the beginning on the tone bars. I mean, I don't know how many times I heard it. Like, I, I don't know. Probably 150 plus they right. and then that just developed into this deep seated love for Beethoven, which I was like, well, this was totally worth it because it led to, you know, yeah. can we learn the ninth symphony on the tone bars? What about the fifth? And, you know, it just it became incredible. Yeah. But it was it was annoying for a little bit because it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I get really auditorially overstimulated. So I like my ear is really highly trained for a pitch being in tune and my, I get really overstimulated and I had to be really conscious in the classroom not to allow my own personal issues uh, to interfere with the children. So where I might feel 
frustrated at a noise far sooner than the average person might, I would have to take some deep breaths, look around the room and calm myself rather than react in frustration. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my job as the guide in the classroom. Like it's not, it's not about me. So if it's bothering me, then maybe my, someone needs to step in so I can walk away, but not that I have to like interrupt really constructive work. And for those children um, that might find, have a similar frustration, you know, there are noise canceling headphones and other things we can have in the classroom to protect sure. sensitive brains from, from the, the beautiful music that their classmates are making. Absolutely. I mean, it, it still is a community for everybody and you have to, you know, be thoughtful about that. Um but that's another great lesson. You could do a lesson on dynamics if you needed yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I had some children. I mean, everybody, I don't know. I, I found that everybody really liked music. Um, but when somebody wasn't working with it, oh, it's so loud, la, 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 la. And then I'd say, well, the other day you were writing a song and it was that loud. And it's, you know, it's not even that loud, but it, it's a good sort of, um, I don't know. It's a good teacher for them um, to know, oh, maybe you should sit over there or maybe you should put on these noise canceling headphones or, you know, maybe you could show compassion to your friend who's trying to write a song just like you were yesterday. (laughs) There's lots of learning, you know, examples there. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the tone bars, Um, because I think they're one of the most genius things of all time (laughs) in the Montessori (laughs) classroom, in my opinion. I just, I don't know, when I first came across them in the practice environment, um, I remember being pretty shocked at um, seeing the scale strips and seeing how it correlated with pulling out the the tone bars. Um, You know, it's one of those beautiful Montessori things that seems so simple. Like, of course, that makes perfect sense. But how she thought of that is just mind blowing to me. Um, but I think the scale strips are a great intro for the, for the children. Um, and I, I, I always found that it was a great gateway. Um, cause they usually had had the bells experience in primary and I unfortunately didn't have a bell set in my classroom. Um, I mean, I would borrow it from the primary, which was totally fine. Um, but I found that the, the scale strips and the tone bars was, was great. It is great. I mean, and realistically, you know, the main reason to have bells in the elementary is just if if children didn't have it in children's house in primary. Right. Right. And and you know, the matching, we can't do the matching with the tone bars. Um and the matching really does develop and refine their sense of pitch and and everything that happens in that sensitive period in their in the first plane of development. Um, mm-hmm. but that's gone by the second plane. So, right. <laughs> I mean, if we, if you have the bells, it's great, but you certainly don't have to have it. And the nice thing about the tone bars is that you have the two octaves and you have the ability. Mm-hmm. So they're created, you know, exactly the same size, um, both the black notes and the white notes. Um, and they're created in such a way that you can use the scale pattern strips and and be able to transpose a song really easily which is a sort of 
magic mm-hmm. key in music. Um, yes. You know, anyone that goes on to play in an orchestra or a band, you know, all the different instruments play in different keys. And so to have that sort of basic understanding of how songs can be transposed is a, is a powerful, a powerful key for the children. And I also think, you know, the teaching of, you know, let's just take the major scale versus the natural minor scale, um, you know, showing them that difference and having them again, use their ear, but then having the, having the option of moving the strip up, you know, to another note and doing it in a totally different key, but being able to say, oh yeah, but that sounds the same because every major scale does sound the same. But it's just on a different note. In a different Um, note. And every minor scale has a particular Mm -hmm. minor sound. Exactly. Yep. So we give them that sensorial experience so that when they go study the interrelationships of all of those things, when they get older, they've got this really strong foundation to work from. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that development of those, they seem very simple, but that is like the crux of music in a lot of ways understanding what a scale is and how notes go together and you know I don't know it just and how they relate to each other the intervals and all of that Mm -hmm. yeah so it's really powerful work which is why it's got to be happening in classrooms yes 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 if you haven't planned a music lesson in a week plan one right now (laughs) that's right do do the one we were just talking about that's Um, right you know I just I think it opens up so many things um, and then, you know, you get to teach the pentatonic scale and you can turn that into a history lesson about the Chinese and, you know, how they thought five was a magic number. I don't know. There's just there's so many options. Or taking a look at how most of the popular songs that we know are written in pentaton- pentatonic scale. You know, like mm-hmm. there's so many interconnections. Um, and if you if all of this kind of talk gets you worried and uncomfortable as guides or parents just do I mean we can google anything these days like do a little like do a little googling and you've got a you know a little firmer foundation from which you can start um, connecting the children to these ideas and another really you know quick tip all of the white notes it's the C major scale and it's going to be a major scale. And then all the black notes, it's a pentatonic scale. So if anything, you can just start with that, <laughs> you know? That's right. Exactly. You know, because that's a starting point and the children can, you know, easily learn how to play, you know, give a grace and courtesy lesson on how to, you know, how to treat the tone bars and how to like play the mallet because it's very delicate work anyway. Um, and then if you haven't gotten those strips made um jamie there has to be some sort of thing online where they could get those right or no i don't know i was going to say you can go here to find them and then <laughs> i was like oh well no. <laughs> reach out to us if you need any help with any of the oh, yeah. music stuff reach That's out to true. us and we can <laughs> we, we can, can make we can some stuff it. available yeah 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 <laughs> there no we question. go there we go i know there's um, just not enough resources for all this stuff but we can I know uh, we can make some things available to help you. Absolutely. And another thing too, that I think is just such a really important piece of it is um, teaching rhythm. 
um, because, you know, rhythm, it's counting basically. And um, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but if you can count to four, you could teach rhythm or eight. Um, but that, you know, keeping a beat, being able to clap to a beat, understanding, you know, the differences, um, that's huge for understanding music and also dance and a lot of certain aspects of the arts. Um, you know, I had my mom come in, um, my first and second year I had her come two years in a row. Um, she's a amazing classical pianist, um, and she's been teaching for 35 years. And of course I had her come in as, in as a guest and she just kind of took over and taught the children rhythm in this really cool way. Um, and she, um, was teaching them the difference between a half note and a quarter note. And I had the, you know, the Montessori rhythm papers out and she called a half note long and then a quarter note short. And I was like, that's smart <laughs> because they are long and short. So she had them doing, you know, the patterns, but calling the notes long and short and the kids loved it. They also loved her. She was just great. Um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there's lots of ways to take the material that you have and sort of make it make sense for your brain because music, you know, can be explained in a lot of different avenues and ways. Um, and it doesn't have to feel, okay, I have to remember that this one is the quarter note and this one is the half note. I mean, it's good to have that vocabulary at some point, but an introduction can simply be clapping or, you know, looking at how the notes look differently and counting how many beats they have and things like that. And all of that, like Jamie just said, you can Google it and it will pop up. Um, okay. That's the end of my rhythm tirade. <laughs> so get in the classroom, get with your children and do some music, listen to some music, sing some songs, do some clapping, um, move your bodies to music, but do something that regularly is connecting the children to music. It's good for their brains. It's good for mm -hmm. their connection to other disciplines. And it's such a powerful sort of relationship building, community building activity. It is. It's also just really fun. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. It just, it evokes emotion out of, you know, in, in different ways in everybody, but singing together, listening to music. It, I was surprised sometimes at just how moved the children would be and me. I cried many times, you know if we were singing together or doing something. I mean, I'm a total sap anyway. Um, but it's it's pretty – you're right. It's very powerful. Um, okay, I have a question, Jamie. What's your favorite song that you sang with the children? Or like top five? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a favorite. I mean, I, w I guess if the student – if my students, my chil children's students would mm -hmm. probably really love Mrs. Murphy's Chowder – Oh yeah, that's a good one. It's one of their favorites. Mm -hmm. Um but I it's impossible for me to have a favorite song. Um, yeah. But it would be fun if people listening wanted to share their favorite songs and we could get a whole <gasps> yes. little collection of favorite songs going. What would be even better is if you shared yourself or your class singing them or oh at my least gosh. a link Please. a link to a recording. Um, and so we'll cute. we'll figure out a way that we could share that with everyone on our website that we're working on. We are working on it. It's coming soon. 
it's it's a work in progress, but, but it's looking pretty good. But yeah, if you have any video of you and your children singing, oh my gosh, please email us all things Montessori pod at gmail.com. Um, or post it to Instagram. Yeah, we'd love to see it. Um, I was going to say, I think my favorite song, I don't have a favorite song either. That was a terrible question. I apologize. Um, I love the Dongato song about <laughs> that crazy cat. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. It is pretty good. All right. Well, this was so much fun talking about something we care about so much. Um, and you know, again and again, if you haven't planned a music lesson this week or in a few weeks, plan one right now and plan one for tomorrow and the next day too. Or at least plan a new song you're going to sing with the children. Um, I I know it might seem scary and exhausting, but I know you will not regret it. Um, yeah. I never regretted a music yeah. lesson. Yeah. Yep. Have fun with it. It's just such a fun way to connect with the children. And it brings such incredible energy to your classroom or your home. So, um, mm-hmm. so get out there and do do some music with the children. Yes, and send us video. We can't wait to see. (laughs) 